Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Meet Miss Fine. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very, very, very special bonus episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield, the podcast where we talk about the 90s hit sitcom The Nanny, starring Fran Drescher. I am Shandi Pasquale, here with... Toria Sheffield. That's right. No relation to the titular Mr. Sheffield. (laughs) And this week... Folks, strap on your hats. Do people strap on hats? I don't know. Hold on (laughs) to your butts because we've got a doozy for you. Uh, Toria, take it away. Okay. I'm going to try not to screw this up because I messaged Sean very, very early this morning. I'm very nervous and excited. He's a much calmer person than I am, but okay, I'm going to try to get through it. So if you listen to our podcast, then you will know that this is a man who needs no introduction, um, but I'm going to introduce him anyway. Today we are talking to Peter Mark Jacobson, uh, co-creator. Yes, uh, co-creator of the Nanny. Um, he executive produced the series. He wrote countless episodes. He was a huge creative force behind the show. He's also a writer, director, producer, and actor in his own right. Um, we've talked a little about this before, but you know he went on to do What I Like About You and Happily Divorced, which he of course did with Fran Drescher, number of other major products products, projects. Um, but so let's give a warm, oh, Mr. Sheffield, welcome to Peter Mark Jacobson. Yay! Hey, guys. Yes. Hey, Sean. Hey, Toria. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this. This is very exciting. You know, we, we when we first started the podcast, we kept going like, okay, well, once we get through the whole series, then we will put ourselves, throw ourselves at Fran and Peter's feet and be like, we did all of them. Please come talk to us. So you only had to go to season two for me. I know. Yeah. That's so exciting. <laughs> and I think this was also such a lesson in like, don't be afraid to ask for things because basically to, to our listeners, um, you know, uh, Peter really, really kindly and nicely reached out to say some nice things about the podcast on social media. And I was literally texting Sean. I didn't even get to send the text. Oh my gosh. Like, do, do you think, I can ask him. Do you think I should ask him if he maybe wants to come on? Because I didn't want you to be put in a position to have to say no and feel bad. And then you kind of like very kindly kind of put it out there and said, if you ever would, I, I, you know, I would be happy to. And I just thought, oh my gosh, like, wow, I could have asked that. And I would have gone through this whole (laughs) mental like slog of to the universe and the universe (laughs) answered you and always ask what's the worst they can say. No. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, Toria, we're we're both uh, Jewish people, so <laughs> worrying unnecessarily about things is in our blood. Yes. So, <laughs> yes, I, I believe me, I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so this, you know, again, we could not have been happier, and yeah. it felt it felt yes, like we put something out there and it was answered. Um, well, my pleasure, and thank you guys for promoting the show and enjoying it so much. It's so great to always meet fans and people that. Uh, enjoy it and uh, it made all the work worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I, one of the things that speaks to me most about this show is its embracement of 
France Jewishness. Like there, especially when it first aired, there weren't a ton of TV shows that just openly celebrated being Jewish. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know like when I first got into it as a kid, it was because my mother was like, you have to watch this show. It's like living in our house. And it's like being with grandma when her mother comes over. And, <laughs> and yet um, when it started, it was the most popular in the Midwest. Because, that's crazy. Because beyond the Jewishness of it, it's a very universal story. It's a you know, mm-hmm. uh, it it everyone has a you know a, knows a mother like Sylvia, and everyone has mm-hmm. a grandmother like Yetta, and uh, so a lot of people from all, Southern and and from from uh, from Africa, from all over the wow. world, said you know they were related to this relationship. Because it's it's just human. It's not really, yeah. Uh, you know, this girl happens to be Jewish, but that's just, you know, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's you know the 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 larger sort of like wish fulfillment, you know, fish out of water elements to it are, are also universal. I mean, who doesn't want to go get scooped up, you know, out of their neighborhood and go exactly. live in a mansion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a it's a it's a fairy tale. So. Peter, where where were you in life before the nanny got Greenland? Can you talk to us a little bit about like where where were you like career wise and 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 how how it all sort of came into creation? You know, when when I was when we were fifteen, we met in high school, friend and I, and uh, we were watching and and thinking of ideas for sitcoms. Then we um, we were very driven to wanting to do a sitcom together. Um, at the time acting together, but, um, we would write, write ideas. And our manager, when we moved to Los Angeles at 21, uh, Elaine Rich, uh, always loved the ideas we came up with. And she said, you really should do this, Peter, instead of acting. This is really, and Fran used to say it too. Uh, um, I was much more comfortable behind the scenes than actually acting. Um, I, I, I worked as an actor. I, I, I did a lot of episodics, pilots, movies, lots of stuff. Sure. Most of which you will not remember. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, um, but I was never really comfortable. I always felt uncomfortable, uh, most comfortable on stage. That's where I felt the most comfortable, but in front of a camera, uh, it was a lot of pressure for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I was, I thought I would get fired when I got the job. Then I thought I'd get cut once I did the job. <laughs> and, you know, it's so Fran, I used to drive her crazy. And she said, you've got to get out of this business or I'm getting out of here. Yeah. I just drove mm-hmm. her nuts. And uh, I decided, because I was getting really depressed over something and uh, some part that I didn't get or something. Some, And uh, so I decided, okay, that's it. I'm done. And uh, I was we were friends with Dan Aykroyd and Donna Dixon. Um, and I said to him at dinner, um, I have this idea for you for a show and it's called, uh, it's, it's like cops, except it's, um, a spoof on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of like Reno 911 only mm-hmm. 10 years before Reno 911. Sure. And, uh, he said, I love that idea. And he took it to 20th century Fox and he sold it that day. Oh my wow. gosh. And he said, and I want you to be the executive producer. Now, that doesn't happen ever. Yeah. And, uh, he said, you came up with the idea for it. We'll work on it. We'll write it together. Um, we brought on another writer. 
Um, and we made the pilot. It's so what was the show called? It was it was called CCPD. Okay. Um, uh, um, Chula. What was it? Costa Chula Police Department. Uh, <laughs> and it basically was a spoof on you know on cops, except yeah. crimes were things like you know we had two gay men arguing where they were going to put the chase in their apartment and the, uh, they would call, you know, and, had, and were disturbing the peace. Uh-huh. We had a, a woman being held up in, at her kid's birthday party in the little dog house. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was very, you know, and very played, very real. And, um, uh, you know, uh, it was, it was very funny and it got picked up actually. Wow. But there was some contractual problem. I remember at the same time, we sold the nanny at the same season mm. and that's the show I wanted to do, but I was contractually held to CCPD first, but because of this problem they were having, they decided they weren't going to go forward with it. And so I did the nanny. So it was, you know, it was a, it was just, you know, two shows in one season. Um, and I was already that's given amazing. the executive producer credit. So I became an executive producer on the nanny, uh, which, you know, the, for CBS, which doesn't happen either. And um, that's sort of how it all happened. So, and then, you, you know, prior to that, uh, at least based on IMDb, which I know isn't always correct, it, it, they, you, you're credited for a story by on an episode of Who's the Boss. So had yeah. you already been like working in writer's rooms prior right. to selling these shows or, or was that like your first gig as a yeah. writer? I never worked in a writer's room. I, um, I was, my manager called the, uh, woman who was producing a spinoff, wanted to produce a spinoff on who's the boss for Fran and Donna Dixon. And Mm -hmm. uh, who was in bosom buddies at the, just did bosom buddies. Mm -hmm. And I guess at the time she couldn't, wasn't sure about what to do for them or wanted some input. Uh, it was Eve Branstein, who's a brilliant casting director and producer. Um, uh, and, uh, I mean the best in the business in casting definitely did all the old Norman Lear shows and, um, uh, she liked me and, um, uh, and, and I liked her and she said, well, let's meet, let me meet Peter and maybe we can come up with some stuff. And we came up with a story, uh, that was a spinoff and that was all I had to do with that show, but I got story by credit. And, um, um so that was a backdoor pilot for the, for this other show. Yes. Oh, that's so. Oh man, now I want to go back and and rewatch that. That's so. Yes. Interesting. I love backdoor pilots. It's one of my favorite TV things. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, then, yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, no! I just continue. I was just going to say. So then you, you. It sort of sounds like the way you're describing it. You, you got an ex- executive producer credit on the nanny because of this sort of technicality of this other show, but you kind of overnight basically became the captain of a ship. So that sort of leads really well into our next question, which is what, what was that like? If, if you hadn't, yeah. you know, had said, you know, hadn't worked as an EP for very long on anything else. And now like all eyes looking to well, you, it, it, sounds like you, you it sounds like you hadn't even had the benefit of working in, in you know, in a writer's room uh, prior to this. So yeah. What, how, what was that like for you? Well, I, you know, smart, Lee, um, they said to us, uh, we, CBS said that we're going to pair you up with another team 
because obviously you don't know how to do this yet. Sure. And they will guide you and develop it with you. And that was Rob Stern and Prudence Frazier who worked on who's the who's the boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they taught us and they were very kind and we were friends to this day and said, you know, this is your show. We don't want to take over your show. We want to teach you. And then we want to also, you know, do what, have our lives and have kids while working mm-hmm. on the show. And, you know, but this is your, your shot. Wow. And, uh, they were very, and, and it's funny because the first pe- person we met was, um, Diane English, who at the time was doing Murphy Brown, the biggest hit on CBS. Mm-hmm. We said, wow, if she wants to do it, you know, with us, but, uh, she turned it down and lucky was meant to be because we got these fantastic showrunners who, um, uh, worked with, worked with us and, uh, just, it was a, you know, really a gift. Well, that's like a, yeah, that's like the dream, right. Is, is yeah. two veterans coming in to be like, you know, we, we are not trying to take over, but we are going to give you all the tools you need to do this. That's, that's incredible. That must've felt, uh, very validating too, after, you know, having felt like, all right, I'm done acting and I don't know what I'm going to do now. And then like, oh, okay, well, I guess yeah, this it, is what I'm it, I, I literally was doing a modeling gig, I think. And then an, an, uh, I did my last show, which was a Matlock. And I remember Fran calling me saying, the head of CBS wants us to take a meeting. And I said, well, I just have to finish this modeling gig. She said, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I'm doing it. I got to finish it. And yeah. uh, and uh, um, and so um, that was it. After that, I said I won't do any more, you know, of that yeah. stuff. I'll, I'll I'll concentrate completely on on the nanny and um, uh, wow. and the, it, the story of her, you know, meeting the uh, the president of CBS, Jeff Zaganski, who was our hero. Yeah, uh, on an airplane, right? Was true. It's yeah. true. Wow. Wow. Well, it's just one of those things where I feel like anybody listening, especially as we do have younger listeners, a good a good amount of them. I think when you imagine life, you imagine it in this straight line where, you know, everything linearly follows the next. And really what it is, is a lot of seemingly random stuff and sometimes disappointing stuff happening. And then that ends up leading you sideways to something you didn't expect and, and this and that. And, and then it was like the luckiest things that ever could have happened. And you can kind of like retroactively look back and see the line, but it doesn't feel that way in the moment. Like you were saying, you had this other, this other, you know, the, the comedy cop show was really what you wanted. And then there was disappointment there. And then, you know, wanting these other creative partners and they said no. And I'm sure there were some feelings of like, Oh no, we really wanted them. That doesn't feel good. And then like, the best possible scenario ends up happening out of that. So it's just, I don't know. I, I always uh, try to keep that in mind. Like even, even for Sean and myself. I yes. Think. When doors open, walk through them. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't, you know, don't second guess too much because, you know, yeah. I could have easily have stupidly have said, you know, I want to continue my acting career, but this giant thing opened up and said, and I knew that this was, you know, a once in a lifetime chance. Yeah. And, uh, and and just you know, I jumped in with. Well, so I, I'm before we 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 dive into the the stuff that I I know everyone really wants to hear, which is the nanny questions. <laughs> if you if you could go back and give yourself advice on day one of like, okay, you're walking into the writers room, you're now the executive producer of this new TV show. Um, what would you have said that you learned after the fact that you wish you had known on that first day? boy um 
I think to have trusted myself more to have, although I did trust myself, I, I gotta honestly say it was one of those things that, you know, I get very nervous about, uh, run throughs and, and, and making sure everything was done on time, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I, so I can't really say I, I did anything that I, I wish I would have done differently, except maybe, maybe have been a little calmer. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've learned how to produce and direct and write, uh, um, without, without so much chaos, um, (laughs) but, um, because of fear, you know, half not knowing what I was doing and half, and yet, you know, and yet half, you know, I, 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 I would not settle for what I called room jokes when someone would pitch a joke and it was funny but then I would say, okay, but how do we make this very, very specific to these people? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, and that takes a long time, sometimes yeah. hours for doing one joke. But yeah. I must say, and I'm very proud of the work the writers did because with us, and because the jokes still play 30 years later. They really and do. So I feel like, okay, I was a pain in the butt, but you know, <laughs> I was worth it because the, the I watch the shows now and it's like, wow, that's still funny. You so. know, that's interesting because we've pointed out uh, to each other in our, in our, you know, rewatch several times that the jokes that land the best are the jokes that feel like only could come out of a particular character's mouth. Um, and, yes. and, and that's when I think the show is at its best. Like our, our favorite episodes, uh, you know, that we've, that we've rewatched so far are, are the shows that, you know the what, what's the one um, Toria where they're locked in the wine the, the wine, wine oh, the, the, the wine cellar, cellar. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, the wine cellar <laughs> uh-huh. um, you know like and that episode plays so well because it's it's just Fran and Cece getting to be Fran and Cece and and it and it's great everything that comes out of their mouths is like true to them and <laughs> hilarious and I believe that, and with sitcoms spe- excuse me I'm sorry I didn't no please um, specificity is the most important thing. A lot of sitcoms are very generic. They don't, and television are, are very generic. The ones yeah. that are the most specific are the ones like Roseanne uh, uh, mm-hmm. that that soar. I feel because they're so specific. Only those people you know those people you've met those people. So when they say Archie Bunker, those mm-hmm. uh, those the, the the lines that would come out of those characters, you you felt like you knew them. They were like real people. And the same with the nanny. It's like, you know, Sylvia, (laughs) the lines that would come out of her mouth were the lines that would come out of Fran's mother's mouth. Yeah. And so, you know, we knew how to write those people. And I think the best sitcoms, at least for me, are the ones that are super specific. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think that's I think that's very true. Um, All right. So, Toria, let's let's talk about the nanny now. Okay. Well, we were talking about the nanny, yeah, but, but now let's we, get into the nitty gritty, the geeky or <laughs> geeky stuff. Um, oh, this one's not even a real question, but it's something we we will get. We want clarif- clarification. Pronounce pronouncing Lee Chalet Chamel is that correct? Lee Chalet. Lee Chalet. Chalet Chamel. Chalet. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay, Thank we've been saying that wrong. Well, we've we've got to go back and re-record every episode. Yeah, it's a great director, by the way. That's great. Uh, she's phenomenal. She, we, 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 we specifically ask about her because every 
episode that we love is always her episodes. Um, and, and she's fan. She seems to have the, the tightest grip on, um, on, uh, physical comedy episodes. It seems like she's your pinch hitter. Every time you have like a very physical comedy episode, she really directs the hell out of them. She, um, she, uh, did the first season of happily divorced too. Mm -hmm. Uh, she did, I think, I think she did the first season of princesses too. Well, it was only one season of princesses. She, you know, Fran and I use a lot of people that we've worked with and that we say, Oh, this person is really gifted. Let's Mm -hmm. remember them. Fran went to a show and saw Anne Hampton Calloway years before. And she Mm -hmm. said, I have my own show. You're going to write the the theme song. Uh, Wow. Yeah. And her accountant calls it her best work as of yet. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's that was one of the fir- the very first thing we talked about in the very first episode of this podcast was the theme song, and we yeah. even said like we we could talk about that theme song for the whole hour that we talked, yeah. um, because Great. we were just we love we well love it's it. yeah because aside from being catchy, it it really does all of the work a theme song should do, and and it's sad that we sort of lost theme songs along the way as right. TV's evolved. It's very sad. Because there's something truly um, magical about just setting the scene for every episode with like a, a you know a perfectly worded theme song that gives you all of the information you need. Uh, you know, when you were a kid, you used to get excited. You'd hear like "Bewitch." Well, you you, mm-hmm. you probably were too young, but um, or whatever the one was, and it would like get you sure. excited. The shows on to get settled down and watch it. Sure, Growing mm-hmm. Pains, Family Ties. Yeah, they all have great uh, theme know. songs. Yeah, this they one did. tells the story so that if you've ever if you tune in for in season seven, you still know six. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. still know what, uh, what the show's about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So now for the less, uh, questions that were just for us, which was okay. Alicia. Okay. Lange, yeah, that was just about. for us. Um, so <laughs> I want to know, <laughs> um, were there any episode ideas that you really wanted to do, but just couldn't get the network to get on board? Um, no, we really wanted to get Streisand on the show. <gasps> yes. But she Legend. didn't do it. And years later, she said, um, thanks for keeping my career alive. <laughs> because <laughs> we talked about it all, or all the time. And, you know, um, she said, I didn't have to do anything. And you guys just kept it me, you know, relevant. And uh, and an interesting quick story Um when we started doing the nanny, you know, um, we had no money at all. We were in debt, quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. And um, we, it's when Streisand had her first big comeback uh, tour. And we bought tickets at Madison Square Garden, which we could only afford like the last row of Madison Square Garden at the time. Because you had to buy them so far in advance. Mm-hmm. In between then and then, the nanny happened. But we had these tickets, so, you know. We're from Queens. We're not going to throw them away. <laughs> so we go go to um, Madison Square Garden, the two of us, and we sit up in the boondocks. And on the big Tron, they put Fran's face on them. <gasps> and they wow. all start screaming, Fran, Fran, Fran. Oh, my God. And we're, like, looking around, like, and two security guards come and tap us on the shoulder and said, follow us. <gasps> and we said, we didn't do anything. <laughs> and they said, just come with us. And they take us all the way downstairs to the second row. And they put two chairs there and they said, sit here. <gasps> and I was so naive. I said, yeah, but what if the people who got these seats come during the concert? You don't want to miss any of it. And he said, don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. He said, 
after the show, uh, Miss Dreisen would like to meet you. And oh my God. we're like, well, now we don't want the show. We want the show to be over so we can go back there and meet her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we go back there and we meet her and she knew Renee Taylor. They used to work together um, oh back in the day. And she was so sweet and so nice. And she sent us home in a limo. Oh my God. And, wow. Uh, we looked at each other in the limo after coming from the subway. <laughs> and we said, things have changed. Things are never going to be the same after this. We really, things have definitely changed. Oh my God. Yeah. It was an it was an amazing night. Wow, that's a dream. That's amazing. Just, My mother would die to uh, yeah, have met I, that, uh, Barbara Streisand. So yeah, <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Okay, yeah, I'm that's in, it's incredible. Oh, um, so, for, so it sounds like for the cameos on the show, you know, were you writing episodes around who you wanted, or were you, or were you securing? people and then and then you know and then crafting the episode around who you got or was it a a bit of both you know it was my idea in the beginning to make him a broadway producer so that gave us an opportunity to bring in a lot of stars and at the time uh broadway you know was not as it, it allowed us to bring people in uh that I loved and Fran mm-hmm. loved, you know, we had Carol Channing on for like two lines, you mm-hmm. know, um, and, and sure, Ben Vereen and Vereen and, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of big Broadway people. So we kind of, you know, it was a, it was a, um, a love letter to Broadway because we loved it so much. Yeah. And, um, a lot of people maybe didn't know who these people were, but in that day, in those days, kind of like Broadway and, and television, people did know i mean you know everyone knew who carol Channing was that's for sure mm-hmm. yeah but, you know it was kind of like a dream to uh sure to to get these people on the on the sound stage and and to work with them and you know the likes of like you know elizabeth taylor and God. Uh, elton yeah. john but fran would go and hit those phones and call people because everyone loved the show at the time and wanted to be on it. But, and so she made sure they were. Wow. Wow. You know, it's it, that it's the musical theater element is the other element of this that, that spoke directly to me as a kid anyway, because I, I was a, I, I was a musical theater. I went to this like performing arts high school, you know, where I got bust in. And, and so I was like a musical theater nerd at the time. And, uh, and so this, this show was speaking to me on so many levels and, you know, I was always curious if that was, you know, you or Fran or the both of you just sort of deciding like, hey, let's let's meet our heroes and get them on TV. Well, um, we, we, you know, we did musicals in high school together and um, uh, and um, our teacher, we actually ended up hiring to be the um, dialogue coach for the kids. Oh, my um, gosh. And oh. um, we we, um, you know, we always. I, I guess I was more of a musical guy than than Fran was, um, uh, but uh, she always loved them. Mm-hmm. But uh, she wasn't really she, she didn't really love she wasn't really a singer. But you know, um, she was always really funny. And you know, and in musicals, a lot of times you don't have to sing; you can just talk a song. And, yeah, you know, I mean, Carol Channing wasn't a great singer. She, you know, but she she was damn funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, so and then you know. The sticking with musical theater for a moment, the the Andrew Lloyd Webber of it all was this. Um, did did you sort of make him um, a Maxwell's foil because you were a huge fan, or because you were a Sondheim guy? 
<laughs> I know. I, I love them both. I, <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes amazing. And sometimes as, amazing. Is, um, as is uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. I mean, you know, I, I don't really remember how that came to be. Um, I, it was a joke in the pilot, I think. And it just sort of played well. And, you know, when a joke plays well, you remember, and then you sort of start a, start a run of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it becomes a thing for the character. Uh, in the musical that we're doing now, it's a, a running thing too. Now we can really delve into the, you know, musical theater. Sure, sure. Oh yeah, well, and we, oh my we, gosh, yeah. I, I definitely, you know, want to hear more about about the musical and, and how and how that's going. So, what what can you what can you say about about the development process for that? I never believe how long it takes. I mean, Hamilton took six years, and this will mm-hmm. probably take eight. But oh, wow. um, it's just, you know, uh, a television show has never really been on Broadway as a musical. Sure. Uh, and so it's finding how to make that work um, in the world of, of musicals because a character like Fran didn't really change in the, in the, um, in the TV show. Right. But uh, she, in a musical, they've, they, the hero needs to take a journey. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we had to figure that out, which took a long time. And but we we feel like we cracked it, and we think it's a really good story. And uh, and Rachel Bloom is doing the music, who is incredible, mm-hmm. so incredibly funny. Yeah, and <laughs> and, um, uh, and they just hired a casting director, um, uh, the Telsey Group, which uh, does a lot of big Broadway shows. And uh, um, so we're we're starting the search. And um, yeah, you got to find a, another Fran. Yeah, that's hard. And we that's don't want somebody doing an imitation of her. We want a, a unique girl on her own because if you do an imitation, it becomes too camp. And then agreed. It's uh, it's you know she'll she's got to you know we need a little Streisand. So that's mm-hmm. what we're kind of looking for. You know, I know there was something where I think Fran had said she would advocate for like Cardi B. As a new nanny in the nanny reboot, are there any people that kind of catch your eye or when you're just watching, you know, something on your own think like, ah, yes, like they would be perfect for that energy or that uh, role? You mean for the musical for, for, for the reboot? Oh, for the reboot. I kind of jumped around, but I was thinking for the for the uh, reboot. Well, is there- you know, Cardi B is really funny. She's, yes. you know, uh, she's, she's, and she's beautiful and she's got great style. If you put her with a very, you know, very straight-laced man, that would be a very funny show. Yes, um, so specific to want onto her, it would have to be written for her. She'd have to want to do a television show. It's very hard work. The hours are endless, and uh, you have got to have great discipline to do it. But she certainly could be written for, and I know would be very, very funny. Um, uh, that you know. A woman like Pink could do something like it, mm. uh, you know, also very unique and uh, she could do it. Um, there, there are, there are those women out there that are uh, very specific talents that are very off beat. And those are the yeah. ones that usually become the giant stars because there's no one else like them. Um, mm. They're able to, you know, they're, they're just, in their own galaxy, there's you know you they're hard to find, man, and uh, there aren't a lot. But you know the ones that Bette Midler and and uh, Cher and those those ladies that are 
one of a kinds. Sure. That um, I mean, everybody has their own thing, and so if you're an actor out there or an actress, you know, don't don't try to stifle that. Be you fully because there's only one you, and that's what's going to make you special. A lot of people tell Fran, get rid of that voice. You've got to take lessons. And I said, don't. Um, that's what's going to make you a star. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. uh, and I truly believed it. I said, when you look like that and have a voice like that, uh, it's so unique. They just don't know what to do with it. They just yeah. don't can't fit you in the box. But when they can't fit you in the box, that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, as as seemingly happened with the nanny she made she made her own box you know she she yes. said this is what i do and 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 people loved it and Absolutely. you know that's that's definitely the way to go so it sounds like you know the musical it sounds like you're you're trying to you i mean you're trying to bring the tv show to the stage um and stay as true to what the show was as possible but you know when you Talk about like someone like Cardi B for like a, a reboot show, you know, that, that casting changes things, right? It, it, yes. it, it certainly stuff. changes the conversation and, and, and it can add a lot. So yes. do you guys, you know, is that where your, 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 your creative interests are taking you? Is that like, Hey, if we're going to redo this, let's not just redo the same exact thing, but let's try to have a, a new conversation in this in the same packaging you know I, I i i'm not interested in doing another nanny with another girl that would be like fran that thing i feel like that's been done um we we, we may we've had a couple of ideas for redoing the show with fran sure. uh, continuing it um uh and have come up with some great ideas for that which i cannot share sure but, uh, <laughs> Um, uh, that we could do, you know, hmm. what, what these characters are up to 10 years later, 20, 30 years later. Um, uh, that's one version. And then the other version is, well, we, we, we cast, um, a Cardi B and we cast, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of who could play Mr. Sheffield, but it would be, you know, Cardi B and her family and she wouldn't have to be Jewish. She right. Could be, she could be, you know, um, whatever. It doesn't matter because she's a fish out of water. Mm-hmm. Cardi B's a fish out of water wherever you put her. So, you right. know, and a great fish because, you know, she is funny. And if she's written for properly, would be brilliant. And I mean, she's funny on her own. I, I, I love her. I think she's. You know, it would almost be interesting to see, like, you know, like someone like Cardi B with, uh, you know, with a Jewish family. Um, yeah, well, there was talk about that too. There was talk about where Fran might have been married um, um, a black man, and mm-hmm. they had Cardi, and Fran was her mother. And, oh wow! And uh, you know, there was talk about that that too. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. It must be fun for you guys um, to get to, you know, all these years later to get to replay in this world. Was this something that you? You know, when the show finally ended, you know, were you guys like, man, someday maybe we'll return to this or? Or is it, you know, the, the, the new sort of wave of reboots and remakes as it cropped up? Did you guys start to perk your ears up and go, oh, maybe, maybe we could do this? Yeah, you know, I think um, when it ended, it was, you know, we were all going through a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. we were getting divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the show was, I was moving to New York. Um, it felt like it was over. 
we didn't want it to end. Uh, this, the network actually, the season five said to us, um, you have to either get them married or we're going to cancel it. And mm. if you get them married and it does well at the wedding, we'll give you another year. So we didn't, weren't given really a choice mm. uh, mm. because once you on a, a show like The Nanny get them married, it's basically over. Yep. The sexual tension is gone. This wasn't our choice. It's, you know, they, they look at it as for ratings. You know, every week it's just the ratings. That's it. And, yeah. um, you know, um, they got what they wanted. There was huge ratings for the wedding, but it was like, okay, but now what do we do? Ugh, um, yeah. So, um, you know, people today, they get frustrated that they're not together, but once they get together, they stop yeah. watching. That's the show. Yeah. yeah. Well, so how, how would you have, how would you have ended things if, if they, if they didn't end up together or, or would you have just let, you know, if, if, if you could have, would you have just run the show and, and the natural end point regardless would have eventually been to, to have them get married? Yeah. I think we would have stretched it out as long as we possibly could. They moved us to Wednesday night, which is sort of like a graveyard. Yeah. When the last moon came on and we held it for, a year or two and then it began to, but there was never anything after us or bef- to help. And right. eventually, um, you know, um, we just, we could have probably gone for another, if we stayed on Monday, we probably could have gone eight years, but, um, um, we, and then end at the wedding, you know, right. Mm-hmm. Beautiful ending. And, yes. um, mm. and that's how we, that was the dream of doing it. But, uh, you know, we were sure. employing hundreds and hundreds of people, and we didn't want it to end in season five because a, you know, all those paychecks stop. Yeah, all these people that are working and including ourselves, and um, and we wanted to keep going as long as possible because the more you have to sell to syndication, the better. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so yeah. So it made sense, of course, um, to go. Hey, you know what? Let's get married and see how it works out. And but yeah. did you guys find once you had done that that um, I mean, you know, ratings aside, did you find that creatively in the room that became a much harder show to write? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you lose the, uh, the sexual tension, you know, the flirting, all that stuff, it's not as, you know, they're married, they're living, right. together. they're, you know, they become a couple and, uh, and that becomes more of that, the, the differences in their lives as a couple, um, and uh, which just isn't as exciting as, as, you know, will they or won't they? Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, Sean and I, Sean, we've talked about this before, this exact dynamic. We say it's like the Jim and Pam of it all, you know, yeah. like from, from the Ross office. and Rachel. Well, I mean, yeah, you know. and, and the thing that, I mean, I even say, I, I stopped watching the American office when, when Jim and Pam got together and then it just, you know, became about their marital problems, which were depressing. And, and it wasn't, you know, the the 30 minutes of escapism that I wanted to tune into well, anyway, sure, you know, and that you can see, you can start to see the, you know, the, the, the wheels come off because you can tell that once they do get married, then the writers are in the same situation Peter's describing. And so then it becomes like, well, now we need to throw kinks into their marriage in order to get them back to a place where it, we don't know if it's going to, if they're going to work out and, and, but then that's like less fun to watch than people flirting is yes. to watch people, yes, you know, of course. being upset. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually a, 
and I don't think it's usually the writers who decide to do this stuff. Of course. People think it is, but it's usually the powers that be that say, well, ratings are going down, or we need a sweeps show, and we need this, and, you know, we need them to, you know, people are getting frustrated with the testing, and right. they test the shows constantly, too, yeah. see, which I think is a waste of time, but... Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I agree. You know, they just, you know, it, it, people forget like Seinfeld was on the air for two or three years before anybody watched it mm-hmm. only because the heads of NBC loved the show, knew this was a very special show, but they, if, if it was on today, it would have been off in four episodes. Yeah. Well, and if they hadn't believed in it, it would have, it would have never made it past the first season. They, they, no. so it, it it's you know I, I I think people that don't understand this business don't realize how much decisions can come down to like three executives in a room who just decide meh not for us <laughs> you know uh, regardless of of whether or not people are enjoying it um so but you also you you mentioned how you know as this this series was ending you were you guys were also you know going through a rough time and you were going through a divorce um which you know. It, it makes me wonder, you know, prior to that, you know, was it, was it easier to be married to someone that, that you were working with so closely or, or, or was it harder on the, on the working relationship? The work was never a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, really, honestly, that wasn't the problem. Um, I think that I wasn't living my full true life, um, sure. as who I am. I think that was my problem and I would get very controlling since I wasn't controlling my own life. Uh, I figured, oh, I'll control hers. <laughs> and uh, and it, uh, it drove her nuts after a while, especially when you're working together 12 hours a day. Yeah. 12, 15, whatever it was, um, every day and under tense pressure. Um, and uh, it finally just, you know, was too much. And uh, and that's that was – but we continued to work together. Um, yeah, which is sort of a testament to what you're saying that that it didn't really affect the work. You you guys clearly have you know a very strong creative partnership, r- regardless of you know whatever intimate relationship you were you know we, having at the time. We had a very good manager. We shared the same manager, and um, uh, her name was Elaine Rich, as I said. And she said to us when we split, she said, "Now listen, you've both worked too hard." to make this happen yeah, and it would be a waste of so much to now throw it away. Mm-hmm. This is your baby. This is what you've got to nurture. And, and uh, she was right. And we did, we, we put all that other shit, excuse my language aside and, uh, and, and worked together and at night went home separate ways, but we, it was very hard and very difficult. And, um, but, you know, this was our this was our chance, and we couldn't we couldn't um, we couldn't not see it through. I mean, it's a it's a very it's a, I mean, you know, it's a very mature uh, it's a very mature decision to make, and and I I, I think it's I, I I love the story of you too. I think it's really inspirational, and I think that it's you know it's really beautiful to see two people, you know, be able to focus on their work and understand that like what they have there is special regardless of, of whether or not 
you know, their personal relationships working out because so many times you see creative partners, partnerships dissolve over less Mm -hmm. than, 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 than this, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's really, it's really, it's really fascinating to me. And I think you guys are really impressive, uh, people for, for your whole careers. Yeah. Well, I I think it's really amazing. A great friendship. We're best friends. We love each other. We respect each other. We trust each other. We've known each other since we were 15 years old. So, you know, um, it's just been, you know, and you don't get people like that in your life that often. And so, you know, it would have been a bad investment of time, as Elaine said, uh, if uh, you just don't find a way to make all of it. Sure. Yeah, man, manager and marriage therapist. She yeah, sounds like an amazing woman. Uh, yeah, she was, and it, uh, she's passed on since then. But we still mm. remember many things she told us throughout the, our our careers that guided us through a lot of stuff from two kids from Queens, you know, uh, and then you know being in Hollywood and uh, really you know someone who cared about us and loved us and wanted us to yeah succeed. And she was you know, very wise. And, uh, you know, we should all have an Elaine Rich in our life. Mm. Sure. That's beautiful. I mean, it's also just crazy to think about. Like, I I think about this, you know, when you think of like, you know, like John and Paul meeting as kids in Liverpool and you think, okay, it's already kind of lightning in a bottle that there is one person who is talented and creative and has the drive. and, And then they somehow happen to, you know, be in a class with another person that is also perfectly suited to it or or somehow meets at a young age and then everything else follows. But it's like, I mean, what are the odds? You know, I kind of believe the universe sets us on a course like that and makes you meet people that you're supposed to meet along your journey. And, um, uh, you know, I don't think, you know, in high school, I remember the moment I met Fran, and there was something about her besides being beautiful um, that made us best friends immediately. Yeah. And, you know, you meet those people along your life. And other people come for a few years and leave, and others come for a few minutes and leave, and others you just don't connect to. But, you know, this sort of, I, I believe that that kind of a cosmic force that kind of just just if you get on board it takes you where you need to go i can't tell you how many times i've worked so hard for something to work and pushing it in different directions and it doesn't happen and then out of the blue something comes right down that was perfectly perfect or yeah you know yeah yeah you don't know that's amazing. So, uh, you know, uh, you guys are doing the 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 musical and and it sounds like you're, you know, at, at the very minimum discussing, you know, reboot possibilities. Are you are you rewatching the series as you're as you're having to do all of this this new development to to pull from? You know, I wasn't and then when it went on HBO Max, I decided one day to put it on and I got I uh, you know, I brought back so many memories I, that I started watching the whole thing. <laughs> and uh, and it did yeah. remind me of things that I thought, oh yeah, that would be good to use in the musical, something like that. Uh, so story, yeah, yeah. So what's your what's your favorite episode, and and why? Well, well I, he told that we know it's. I, well, maybe yeah, we, it's changed. Well, but the, the, our audience doesn't know yet. So <laughs> lamb chop. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's something about that show 
that just makes me laugh. I just, it's so absurd. And, um, uh, you know, that they're, and, and yet such a reflection on Hollywood, everyone kissing this puppet's ass, literally, <laughs> and, you know, um, acting like it's real. Um, and, then my, and she was so brilliant, um, Sherry Lewis, um, and, and Lamb Chop, who I was a fan of when I was a kid. Sure. You know, and then, you know, to have, and she was so great to go with this kind of like, you know, lamb with all this attitude. <laughs> like kind of lecherous and yes, dirty. And we were laughing so hard when we watched that episode. Was she involved in the in the writing process at all on that? Or did you guys just, you know, pitch her what you wanted and she was just game? I don't think she was involved at all. But uh, I think maybe on the stage, maybe there would be a couple of lines that my, she said she wouldn't say, yeah, the, the lamb would say <laughs> You know, things like that, which we would, you know, talk to her about. But no, I think that, I think that was, that, that was on the, that was mostly us, but uh, she was lovely to work with. And and it's just that we showed that at the Museum of Television and, uh, and, and I hadn't seen it for a while. And it was like, wow, this is really, I thought it was really funny. Yeah. Same way. We, 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 that was like the one we just rewatched and, and um, it's, it's, uh, (laughs) <laughs> it's great because it, it we were talking about how Sherry Lewis was so game for it, but like she comes off as insane, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's hilarious that, that this woman is not interacting with the people around her at all. And really neither are they. Uh, yeah, they're all just talking to the lamb. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's really. <laughs> and how yeah. Sheffield is sort of thinking it's a little weird, but friends like the lambs, the whole act talk to the yeah. lamb. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> into it. Yeah. Oh, well, well, that kind of, I was kind of curious, you know, how much per episode, if any at all was ever improvised or, um, I would imagine not a lot just because these sitcoms that, you know, they, they're filmed and everything's done on such a tight timeline and deadlines are a big thing, but was there any, any of that? No, um, I think it's all, it was all, I don't remember any moments. Maybe, maybe there'd be a moment that in a mistake and we'd use it because it was funny. Uh, I remember once there's a, there, we couldn't think of a name for somebody, uh, for, for a joke. And, uh, it had a, I, anyway, one of the audience members yelled out a name and it was like the perfect moment for you. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing that people don't realize about sitcoms too, is that they keep saying, oh, it's canned laughter. It's not canned laughter. It's a couple hundred people sitting there. Yeah. 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 And and they're hyped to be there. I mean, you don't, you don't go to a taping of a show you don't love. Oh yeah. Especially when the show's a hit, there can't, you know, there's a long waiting list to get in to see it. Yeah. Well, and with the, with some of the physical comedy um, in these episodes, like, I can't even imagine doing it without an audience. Like, you know, I I always think of that scene um, where, Fran accidentally kills Gracie's imaginary friend and she's using the pan, the tops of pans yeah. as the defibrillator. And I'm like, you know, the energy that you have to, that, that it takes that, you know, you got to be feeding off an audience. I, I don't know how some of these things could be done without that live. It's hard. And, yeah. And sometimes, mm-hmm. and now they're doing them without because of COVID, but um, uh, it is hard. And um, it's like doing a little movie. But that was the first physical comedy scene we did. It, it was written by Pam Eels and Sally Lapidus, and they really brought the uh, idea of physical comedy into um, into the show. And Fran was so good at it that we just kept saying, 
you know, let's let's add it in. Let's keep adding in more physical comedy because she's mm-hmm. really good. She got really banged up. But, oh God, yeah. You know, uh, as Lucille Ball did too. Um, yes. Uh, you know, um, she uh, she was very good at it, and uh, you know, so they rehearse it a lot, and they oh, yeah. uh, and then when you tape it in front of the live audience, you do it once or twice, and hopefully get it. Like you know the scene where she shaves him. Oh, yeah, we just saw that one. Yeah. yeah, that was because I had seen something on television, and I thought, oh, what if I we do a twist on that, which was this basically. Yeah, and we did it in the run through for the for the um, network, and there was not one laugh, <laughs> and we thought, oh God. I based. I thought this whole show was based around this one scene, and I thought, "Oh my god!" And Fran pulled me aside and said, "What are we going to do?" I said, "We got to trust that. We got to trust it. I, I can't mm-hmm. imagine this not working." Yeah. Although it didn't. Um, <laughs> uh, she didn't do anything wrong. It was just for some. Nobody was laughing. I'm thinking, "Oh god!" Now 200 people are coming in, and we got to get halfway through the scene show till we even know if that's going to work. Yeah. And I'm like holding my breath and it was the biggest laugh we ever had. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm sh- I, we even said, um, Sean, you mentioned, you said, how did Charles Shaughnessy keep a straight face? Yeah. When yeah. this was going Cred- on. Credit to him because he keeps such a straight face through that scene. And it's, I know it's, it's hilarious. He's, great. He's so talented and such a lovely man. We did it. I think we only did, did it once. That was it. Oh wow. my God. Because it was so good and the laughter was so long. I think they wanted us to cut the laugh and we said, no, you know how hard you work for a laugh like this. <laughs> Let it play. Yeah. The audience loves when they keep laughing. You, It was okay. interesting. It's interesting to hear that, that Sally Lapidus and, and Pam Eels were, were sort of introduced physical comedy to the show. You, you guys had a pretty fantastic writer's room um, throughout the, the series run. Yes. But but one name always stands out to me because I always forget that he was involved. Um, is Bill Lawrence who who yes. went on to do Ted Lasso and Scrubs and um, I saw an interview with him recently where he was asked about the nanny and he you know he basically was like I was a child and a moron and I I I I, I did not fit there. He's like, but it was very nice of them to have me. Um, but I, I wanted to know what what you remember about, if anything, about his time on the show because because he did go on to, you know, obviously have a a, a very very storied career at this point. He wasn't there that long. Um, I you know I remember him being very talented. Obviously, that's why we hired him. Yeah. Uh, he he was you know he was he he's an amazingly talented man. I mean, I think. The nanny had a very, very, very specific voice, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes we needed a certain voice, uh, and so we'd have to take one writer out and put another writer in. Uh, but it, it had nothing to do with his talent. No, that's that's what he basically said. The same thing was he was like, "Look, it was they they I I got the two episodes I got because I think they needed what I had to bring, but I also wasn't the voice of that show, and I didn't know how to be at that point." Um, right. Yeah, yeah. he was a lovely man and very talented and obviously has gone on to do brilliant stuff. Yeah. And he was great on the show. Uh, but sometimes when you're doing a show and you're doing a show a week, sometimes there, you need a certain voice uh, for certain shows, which he, he wrote two great scripts. 
both Sean and I have, we've written together, we've written with other um, partners. What would you, and there's a very delicate balance, I think, when you have a creative partner. And it's interesting, like what each person brings. And sometimes it's like the perfect recipe. You and Fran have obviously worked together for many, many years now. What is like the yin and yang of it all? Like what what are you bringing and what is she bringing that yeah. like complements the other person creatively? Yeah, are you like this the the big picture story guy, uh, you know, or or you know, the drill down character guy and and she sort of brings in the the big picture? How how does the partnership break down? Uh she does story. She broke mm-hmm. down all the stories with Rob Stern and for the nanny mm-hmm. and gave out the the notes and then they came into the room with me and the writers. Um, I would say, uh, the reason we work so well together is a, we trust each other. We're not competing at all. We only want the best result. Yeah. She knows I have, and my eye for her is always looking out for what she'll be do great and how she'll come across great. And I know how to direct her, um, with like a look or a word um, uh, that she knows what I mean or to tell, just throw it away or whatever. And she, you know, she's, we, we work in shorthand. Um, sure. and, uh, you know, we argue over things. It's not perfect. Sometimes we don't agree on, on something and then we'll take a break and come back to it. I'll say, or, and now we're at a point in our career where we say, all right, well, I don't like the way you want to do it and you don't like the way I want to do it. So let's find another way. Mm. Yeah. And we do. And it's usually a better way than both of us wanted. So, you know, um, there's no one way of doing it. It's just trusting each other the most is the best and, and say, you know, if you don't like something or, and they don't like something, find another way. There's always another way to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's, that's probably, well, I mean, yes. Uh, when you talk about creative partnerships ending, it's usually because they've hit a wall and it's, it's nope, it has to be even, even joke writing. Like if you will only, if you won't accept another version or another alt, then it's like, okay, you've, you've just created a wall for yourself and you're not going to go around it if you don't say, well, let's come up with a third different thing. Yeah. Um, that's exactly. You know, there, you know, you never know what will play with an audience either. There, there are moments where you think, oh, this is the greatest joke ever. And it's like crickets. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, people don't get it. Yeah. Did, did you have, um, a favorite, I guess, a favorite character to write for, um, you know, where you just sort of enjoyed their joke. I mean, it, I think in my head, you know, I'm a huge Niles fan. Like I just could, you know, watch, I always say like, sometimes we'll go, oh, it's, it's funny that, you know, Mr. Sheffield has his butler like in on this business meeting, but I'm so glad he does because yeah. we get more Niles. <laughs> yeah, he was always dusting something. Um, <laughs> a little nosy, but I don't, you know, Niles was amazing. Frank Lombardi wrote a lot of his jokes. He's a great writer. Um, Karen Lucas, Diane Wilk, the great writers, um, mm-hmm. Jane Hamill. Uh, there, there was like 40 of them. I'm missing a lot of them, um, you know, throughout the years. Um, those were some of the regulars. And um, I loved writing for Sylvia a lot. Mm. Um, I, I just, because I wrote it as her mother. And, um, uh, and she, you know, when her mother saw the show for the first time, we were so nervous that she was going to think, oh, it's such an exaggeration. And the first thing she said was, thank God you didn't exaggerate my hair. (laughs) We're good. We're good. Oh my God. 
Yeah. And as she's saying that, you're like writing the note for like, okay, I guess that's going in an episode. Yes, exactly. too. <laughs> talk, show, talk show material. Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, they were all very specific characters, so they all were very fun. The interesting one, the hardest one to write was Cece, um, because oh. you um you wanted to love to hate her, you know. Um and she came to us in the beginning of the first season and said, Look, guys, he's banging me in every joke, but you've got to write me back so I could zing him back. Or mm. it's just, I don't, you know, and I, and it's like the writer, and she was right. But it's yeah. another three hours in the writer's room to come up with funny lines that she's got to do. And it was, you know, um, it was her idea, and she was absolutely right. And it became one of the most, you know, beloved things about the show, their banter back and forth. Yeah. yeah that's so interesting. Yes, because we sort of clocked that, that almost the exact episode where she starts retaliating. Yeah. And then we were like, I, I remember having this conversation with Sean where I said, oh, it's she's really hit her stride, like as a character. Like it kind of all just gelled just now yeah. as somewhere in the first season or maybe it was in some, and it, yeah, that, that note, it's so interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. It came from her and, you know, it's, it's credit to what I think is, is really the best type of show running, which is, you know, never saying no to a bad, to a good idea, you know, because no, uh, even if it doesn't come from you, it's like, that's, that's a good note, you know? Yeah, no, it was a very good note. It was a hard note to do, but it was a good note. And, you know, it always usually ended up at the end, Niall saying the, the last line, but, um, she always wanted something and then it could, then he could say something mm -hmm. and she was right because otherwise nope. it's just a roll your eyes reaction, roll your eyes reaction. And, uh, this gave them, you know, a whole Ethel and Fred yeah. <laughs> relationship. Yes. Well, and his, his, his digs at her become more palpable when she can stand up for herself as opposed to just being a punching bag. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And he becomes le sad. more likable that way. Too. She had the hardest role to play because, yeah. you, know, you know, it's, uh, and the reason we were able to make such fun of her was because she was so gorgeous and um, so beautiful. And, you know, you could say things that were obviously just not true. Not yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, and he was, you know, I once, I remember once directing a show that he, and there was a line and it never worked for him. He just couldn't get it right. It did nothing. He couldn't get it right. He just couldn't get the laugh. And they do, the writers kept saying, well, have him do it this way, have him do it that way. I said, look, he is brilliantly talented. If he's tried it three ways, it's going to be in his head now. Let's just rewrite the line. Because yeah. if he can't make it funny, maybe then it's not that funny. It's just not funny. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I said, so let's just rewrite it. And then, you know, sometimes you have a – you when directing, I remember directing him and he was, he's so good. Uh, taking direction because there was a show where he insults Gracie because Miss Babcock's not there. And he says yes. something to, to Gracie and the audience booed it. And he calls <gasps> oh me over and I said, and the line was the insult. And then he said, see, sir, it just doesn't work with, you know, yeah. uh, but you know, and I came over and I said, try it this time. And luckily he did this was after the big boom. I said, do it this time, but run it together. So I say the line and then say, don't, don't leave a space in between it. So insult her and this, a Caesar, this just doesn't work. 
and mm. a big laugh out of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just just a little adjustment, and if you have brilliant talent like I we did, yeah, they're able to get it and to pull it off. Had a big laugh. And we had yeah. read, um, I forget which kid it was now, but originally there were only two kids, right? In your in your original was, pitch for this, there yes. was no Maggie initially, right? Right, um, and that was a network note. That was the head of CBS. Uh, Jeff Saganski, he said, you've got to have a teenage girl here so you can help her grow up. And it was a good note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a good note. And she became yeah. the whole story of the pilot. And, Would uh, you, I mean, do you think that had, had you not been given that note, um, you know, do you think that a lot of those sort of growing up stories would have been thrust onto Brighton? Uh, probably. Yeah. Probably. And then, and then, did adding in the third kid did it did it bring <laughs> did it bring the I, I, any issues then because now you're you're balancing another character obviously um, because the kids go through like an interesting t- trajectory as the series goes on I think where it you know I think Brighton seems to me like the hardest one to write for be, because he's not quite a teenager and he's not quite a little adorable kid. Um, yeah, he's you know, also so, a troublemaker. Yeah, so he just becomes the little, he just becomes a little troublemaker. He was yeah. kind of based off of a kid of one of the writers, uh, I think, uh, because she'd come in with these stories that this kid would do, and he was so young, and we, my mouth would hang open. I'd say, oh my God, that is the funniest thing. We've got to put that in. Or or I I I, I, I won't say what they were because I, I don't know if I can, <laughs> but um, they were hysterical. And, yeah. you know, so Brighton was, you know, he was a little problem child and as he was in the beginning and that's, you know, he, he lost his mom and his father yeah. paid no attention to him. And so he acted out in a lot of different ways to get attention. Um, I think, uh, I think as the show developed after the first couple of seasons, um, it became more about the romance. Mm-hmm. That's what the people seem to want to watch more than than stories about her being a nanny. We always had something going on for the kids, but they were usually beelines. Mm-hmm. Right. The storyline was she was the wife and he was the husband. And the and and you know, her family was, you know, inappropriately there. Mm-hmm. And you know, and uh, he was just couldn't get past himself to figure this out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that's that's what people respond to. And and honestly, those are the those are the episodes that sing the loudest, you know. Yes. And so we, really we, you know it as you start doing it, what's getting the reaction. Mm-hmm. And so you start writing towards it. And, um, uh, and, and you know, the kids always had B and C lines and, and uh, once in a while on A line, but rarely, because that's just not where the show was living, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, we don't want to keep you uh, for too long, but I, I do, I do have one last question before, before we wrap up. Um, and that's where, where do you see these characters now? So maybe he can't answer if he, if they've been talking about this I can't. Uh, in terms of a reboot. <laughs> true, true. That's true. I, I do have a very clear idea and Fran and I both have a very clear idea of what we think could work as uh, a reboot for them. To and, like continue uh, the story. Yeah, continued the story, but you know, twenty-seven years have gone by, so it wouldn't yeah. be like pick up right from there. It would sure. have to be, you know, you know what where they are now. Uh, yeah, you know, she's uh, not, you know, she can't 
saying she's 29 anymore. <laughs> no. uh, well, I mean, I, you know, I called my grandmother nanny. So I feel like at this point she could, in another couple of years, she could just be someone's nanny. Yes. Well, she could. And, yeah. and, and, uh, there, there, we do have a very interesting idea. Should that happen? I'm not sure if we can do it until the, the musical is up. I think contractually mm. that might be a problem, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, but we're not sure yet because that might work. Uh, well, I can't. I'm already okay. okay. We're not. We will, okay. Yeah, we, won't, just, we won't make you spoil anything. Um, uh-huh. I'm very excited for that. I mean, you know, Tori and I are like, I guess we're going to have to do a New York trip when that musical. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, you better. Because, come. Yeah. We, I mean, I'm very, very excited. I, you know, yeah. it, it's marrying, you know, all of my favorite things uh, into the only thing missing is, uh, you know, Marvel superheroes, but that seems like an impossibility. So, yeah, no, I, I can, I'm sorry. We cannot, give, we cannot give you a Marvel superhero in this particular show. Um, well, I mean, this was really fantastic. Thank you for all of your time, Peter. This was really nice of you to do, uh, mm-hmm. to take your, your Sunday to record with us. And, uh, we can't, I can't wait for our audience to hear this. Yeah. Well, we're going to, yeah. Where this is going to go up Wednesday at midnight. So really Thursday morning this yeah. week. Okay, yeah. great. Send me stuff. I'll put it on my page and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, thank you so much for, for all your support and yeah. all the fans out there. Thank you guys. Uh, you've all been so amazing throughout these decades, uh, just loving our, our little engine that could. And, uh, um, uh, it's so makes you feel so wonderful that you make people laugh and give them some joy, um, at any time, uh, that, uh, it really warms our heart and we are so grateful. Well, and, and, uh, as always, uh, you can find us at Oh, Mr. Chef pod on Twitter and Instagram. That's with mm-hmm. two F's in mm-hmm. chef and, uh, Toria, you got I, any last words? No, I'm just delighted. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so grateful. And, um, I'm very excited. I always ask you guys. Yeah, that was a very special episode. Uh, So thanks again. And guys, we'll see you next week with a a normal recap show. Uh, Bye. Goodbye. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. uh, Miss Fine.